Philippians 9, 19 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church family. Um, my name's Sam, or Samuel, or Sammy, or I answer to a lot of other things, too, but um, my much better half, Sarah Tyson, uh, and my two boys, Sam and Luke, are here, and we're, we're glad to be with y'all this morning. I guess I can take off my mask. I uh, forgot about that. All right. Um, before I dive into our passage and, and, and get going this morning, I, I just briefly want to share a little bit about what we're doing. So took a call to church plant. Um, my background sports. I uh, was really hoping to plant a multi-ethnic church with diverse leadership, and God just kept shutting doors that I thought would be opened. Then a pandemic hits, and I don't know about you, but maybe you've done some uh, research on Brene Brown or read some of her stuff or listened to her TED Talk, and she's got a great uh, quote that um, I can't get away from. So she studied vulnerability and shame, and um, yeah, you, if you know her, you, I see people nodding. That's good. Um, talk to those friends who are nodding, and they'll help you out. Um, but if you don't, look her up. But she says this. She says, uh, what is in the way becomes the way. What is in the way becomes the way. I wonder how that hits you this morning. When, when I think about what is in the way in Memphis, um, I think about racism and poverty. I think of our, our deepest scars as a city um, and how those things are tied together in, in a lot of ways. And so I'm not God's gift to my African-American brothers and sisters. I am not... I can't solve poverty. Um, but, like this Colossians 1, Jesus, the one who is reconciling all things to himself, like reconciling me to God, me to myself, me to my neighbor, and then me to all creation, the, the gospel is bigger and better than we thought it was. It's not just about fire insurance or getting me on a cloud playing a harp. It's about everything being restored and made new. And so, because that's true, we can enter into the brokenness here and out there without fear, because perfect love casts out fear. And we can go towards brokenness and not away from it. And what's in the way becomes the way. So we actually go towards those things that other people may want to play down or run away from. The church of Jesus gets to go toward it with the gospel, with Jesus as our only hope. And so what that looks like is, uh, yeah, us moving towards an area of town, a historic African-American neighborhood named Klondike. Um, I'm teaching. I got to teach last year uh, in first grade, um, which means I just I tied a ton of shoes and they taught me more than I taught them, and uh, opened about 12 million uh, fruit cups. And, um, but it was awesome in so many ways. And um, this year, my principal uh, offered me a new position at the school. Uh, Perea is the name of the school, Perea Elementary. And now we're the schools of Perea. We have a, a, a preschool and an elementary school. We're adding a grade each year. It goes up to third grade now. Um, but when you think of Perea, you just need to think of the place where Jesus said, hey, Peter, James, John, y'all stop it, quit. He said, he didn't say that exactly, but he said, let the little children come to me. They thought Jesus was too important and what he was doing, he was too busy. And Jesus was like, no, 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 the kingdom belongs to them. Let them come to me. So when you think of Perea, you ought to have a warm place in your heart 
because Jesus welcomes people like me and little children to himself. Um, but that's, a, that's my school. And so my new position is I'm the uh, family uh, engagement assistant, which means that um, I get to do chapel for preschoolers, which is awesome. I get to do uh, a weekly Bible study for parents after they drop their kids off. I get to um, kind of oversee a, a food pantry and clothes closet. We get to walk alongside families in crisis. Um, and the, the goal always, if you've read When Helping Hurts and that stuff, is not just to put a Band-Aid on something, but it's to, to walk with people and not do stuff for them, but to do stuff with them um, and to see them move toward development. And so you can pray for us. Um, this is a marathon and not a sprint. And the passage that we just read, we didn't. if you go home and look, right after Paul says, I become all things to all people, and he's talking about this all for the sake of the gospel, he then talks about running. And I think what's on his mind right after this passage is, is hard training and like running a marathon. So that, that actually fits. I think that's where Paul is going. And that's where uh, this morning I want to take us. I want us to consider Paul's kingdom ethics. I want us to consider Paul's kingdom versatility. And third, I want us, us to consider Paul's kingdom aim. So kingdom ethics, kingdom versatility, and Paul's kingdom aim or motivation. That's where we're going. Let me pray for us and we'll dive in. Lord Jesus, uh, these are your words, and so we would ask that you would be our teacher. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give us hearing ears and seeing eyes, as we just prayed and then sang. Uh, would you do your work that only you can do? I can't change myself or anybody else, uh, but you can. And so, Lord, we, we're grateful we can come in this morning and just take a breath and breathe in your grace and know that you're at work, and so that we can rest, uh, and we can remind each other, and we can reflect your love. Uh, so pour it out in our hearts that we might overflow. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I wonder how many of y'all have a driver's license. Anybody? I see some hands. All right. How many of you consider yourselves really good, patient, awesome driver? Like three people? Come on. Okay, good, good. A few more. All right. So if you're a really responsible driver, that's wonderful. Um, what do you think the percentage of people in Memphis are really good, awesome, responsible drivers are? Uh, I, 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 get, I get the gist just by looking at your eyes <laughs> that you're laughing or you're kind of like, oh, my goodness, that number is very low. Uh, I learned how to drive in Tunica, Mississippi, which is just south of here. Um, and there's, there was only one stoplight back when I was learning how to drive in Tunica. And... Uh, it's not the same as driving here in Memphis, right? Driving in Tunica is a lot different experience than driving in Memphis. You gotta keep your head on a swivel here, okay? But I've also driven in uh, New York City, okay? And uh, their signals are not acceptable to give in church in New York City. Uh, and then I've also been in a car in Mexico City where lanes are really just a suggestion. And like it's actually socially acceptable to like bump other cars. Like, if you, don't, if you don't get out there, you're not getting anywhere. And so you have to kind of stick your nose out, and it's, it's, it, it feels a little scary, okay? So here, here's the point. I bring all that up because what Paul's getting at in this passage is sometimes following Jesus feels like that. Depending on where you are, what the culture is, it, it, rules change. Like, what's socially acceptable? Culture, what, you know, a rule, all we're talking about right now is not... Is, is what changes based on time and circumstance and culture. So just by me saying that, there might be a few in the room who are like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. 
So I'm a PCA pastor, which just means, like, I sign off on the Bible, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Apostles' Creed. Like, Jesus is all I got. I'm Barney Fife with one bullet in the gun. It's the gospel. That's all I got. I'm not talking about the gospel changing. Or j- the message does not change, but the methods do. That's what we're talking about. So we're not talking about, uh, you know, the content changing. We're talking about the container. It's packaging changing. And that's what Paul's getting at here in our passage. So when you think about Paul's kingdom ethics, here's what I want you to see. Paul says, and really the whole point of chapter 8 and 9 is like Mel Gibson's Braveheart, you know, freedom. That's what Paul wants you to know in chapters 8 and 9. Just summed it all up. He asks 15 questions in the opening of chapter 9. Because he wants the people of God in Corinth to know, I want you to think about this biblically. I want you to think about it culturally. Now, if Matt and I were writing a book to the Corinthian church, we would probably start off by saying, y'all are killing us. Stop it. Like, the sexual immorality, are you kidding? The beefing, the fighting, going back and forth, y'all are blowing it in every way, and I can't handle it. But Paul says, y'all are called, and you have every gift you need, and God's going to be faithful. He's going to bring you to completion. He's going to do it, because God is faithful. He starts with what's true about them and what's true about God. And he reminds them of who they are. He tells them that love will puff you up. I'm sorry, that that knowledge will puff you up, but love will build you up. And so he wants everyone to know that they are free and that he is free. And so he says, I'm free from all. I'm free. I have the same liberties as anybody else made in God's image. I'm not obligated to anyone. I'm independent. I don't belong to anyone. But in the same breath, Paul then says, but I've made myself a servant to everyone. So I'm free from all, Paul says, but I've made myself a slave to all. Hmm. This is what he means. It's like Paul is saying, I've subjected myself underneath others. It's the idea of I I want to be accommodating. I want to cooperate. I want to adapt. I want to become moldable or pliable. I'm trying to be helpful here or considerate and unselfish toward others. Now, where would Paul get an idea like that? It's from following Jesus, right? This is Jesus stuff. This is Philippians 2 stuff that Jesus put on our skin, and he walked and he tabernacled among us, that he did not consider his own needs, but he considered the needs of other people as more important than his own. This is simply following Jesus stuff. So you might be sitting there this morning and be like, hey, cross-cultural ministry, that's great, man. I'm glad that's your jam, but it's not mine. And I would just say to you, well, first of all, if you're married or want to be married, you're in cross-cultural ministry <laughs> because there's not a bigger cultural gap between I mean, male and female. I mean, come on. That's a huge cultural gap. And those who are married know exactly what I'm talking about. I got an amen uh, one service doing that. They were like, because people were feeling it on the way to church, right? <laughs> male and female is a different culture. It's, they're both beautiful and distinct in a lot of ways, but whatever. Okay, what about age? With certain age comes different cultural practices. I mean, my grandparents and my kids, there's a, there's a gap there of cultural practices, right? There's a difference there. And so I'm just telling you, you're already involved in cross-cultural ministry. And I want to spur you on to keep growing those muscles and keep leaning into it, what Paul is saying here. His kingdom ethic is simply this. I'm going to get anything and everything out of the way that I can so that people will feel honored where they are, that they might honor Jesus. This is where he's going. You remember Paul's conversion, right? 
Paul is on his way. He's on the Damascus Road. He, he's he's going to chain Christians. He's wreaking havoc on the church. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And he says, hey, to mess with those folks is to mess with me. Stop persecuting me. And Paul is forever changed. Why? Because Jesus meets Paul right where he is. On this hellbound road to destruction, this is where Jesus shows up and meets Paul right where he is. So Paul gets excited about meeting other people where they are because he knows that God met him right where he is. And so all that's left for Paul is to talk about it and to do it, to be an example of it. Hey, I want to cross any culture, any gap, and meet people right where they are so that they might meet Jesus. And so what he's doing, y'all, he's, Paul is not scratching his head on theology or what do I do with the gospel. He's not moving off the gospel. He's making a mountain out of Jesus, and that mountain that Jesus walked up and, and nailed all our sin to the cross. Like, that's, the, that's all he's got. But what he's saying is everything else, like culture, cultural practices, ethnicity, all that stuff, he honors it in a really profound way. He sees it, and he acts accordingly. So he honors people where they are so that they might honor Jesus. That's his kingdom ethic. But here's the second thing. Paul's kingdom versatility. Uh, so any baseball fans in the house this morning, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up loving the Cardinals. Uh, Ozzie Smith was my guy. But right behind him was Jose Aquindo, who also played second base. But he's one of the only guys in Major League Baseball history that played every single position in one game. He pitched, he caught, he played third, short, second, first, and every position in the outfield. He played every position in one game. Because for Jose Aquindo, it didn't matter where you put him, he was ready to go. He didn't get caught up like, hey, I'm only a second baseman. My identity is in being a second baseman. No, his identity was, hey, I'm a teammate, and you can put me wherever you want. I'm ready to roll. I'm going to help my team win. And that's where Paul is here. He's saying, when I'm with the Jews, I operated as a Jew. And when I'm with the Gentiles, I got no problem at operating as a Gentile. And to the weak, I'm, I'm leading and sharing my own weakness. I'm concerned with your concerns. And so he's talking to the core concerns of these folks, the core concerns of these folks, and he's sharing his own core concerns with the weak. He's leading out of his weakness. And so Paul has no trouble being a chameleon of sorts because his identity is already settled in Jesus. So please know this. His kingdom versatility is not, he's not trying to win a popularity contest. Like I, I'm an approval junkie. I just want everybody to like me and vote for me because sometimes I forget that Jesus has already signed off on me. And so I just want everybody to like me. I don't want to disappoint anybody. That's not, Paul got killed like Jesus. A lot of people didn't like Paul. Paul's not like just worried about people's opinion of him. <laughs> Paul is trying to win people to Jesus. Paul's kingdom versatility is about going after people so that they might go after Jesus. And he'll go anywhere and do anything to do it. Now, again, He's going to make much of Jesus. Like when you join this church, you have to, I think, like sign off on five things. Like I'm a sinner, right? Saved by God's grace. That grace is found only in Jesus. Um, I guess I'll support the worship and work to the best of my ability. And something like, hey, I'll submit to the church leadership. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not there on those essentials, that's fine. We love you. Keep coming back. We're here for you. Come on. But if you're not there on those essentials, you probably don't want to join the church right now. Okay? Those things is not what Paul's talking about right now. What Paul's talking about is everything else. He will be so accommodating on everything else. I'm not moving off this mountain. <laughs> the gospel, those essentials, but in everything else, love, charity, you first, 
not me. That's where Paul is going. So, we've, we've looked at his kingdom ethics. We've looked at his kingdom versatility. I love this. And here's the challenge I want to give you before we look at our third point. Some of us um, have way too many non-gospel convictions. I, ha- I have so many opinions, and most of my like, trouble is when I, I think my opinion is, is a conviction. <laughs> right? I, I, we all have opinions, right? Here's the deal. What, what we need to do is lay down some of our opinions and recognize them as opinions and see and celebrate the gifts of the body of Christ and not compare or critique or one-up, but to truly listen and honor others. It's really hard to do sometimes. But our political situation can't be bigger than Jesus and those made in Jesus' image. We cannot be triumphalistic about our own culture. And yes, we have a culture. All food is ethnic. It's not one line at the grocery store. We have to do the hard work of understanding our own context, our own history. And so I would encourage you this week even to do something that teaches you more about the history of Memphis and more about your own culture. Because some of us, it's really easy to critique every other culture without critiquing ourselves. And part of being a Christian means this. It's safe. It's actually only safe to throw yourself under the bus. Like Jesus only has office hours for the sick. And so part of being a Christian this morning is to critique yourself first, to take the log out of our own eye before we go around inspecting everybody's speck in theirs. Especially every culture is beautiful and broken because every culture is made up of beautiful and broken people. And so I'm just talking to my white brothers and sisters right now for just a minute. I love you enough to tell you we do have a culture and some of it's beautiful and some of it's broken. And we got to do the hard work of understanding that culture so that we might meet others and their culture where they are so that Jesus is honored. I could go off on a tangent right there. I'll just leave it at that. Here's what this looks like. Just one illustration. Psalm 23. A friend of mine told me this story. and I love it. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, what do you do to an indigenous people group where they don't have sheep or shepherds? They don't know what that is. So how do you meet them where they are? Well, they know ducks. And so they translated Psalm 23, the Lord is my ducks herdsman, I shall not want. Right? And my friend said to me, do you think the king of kings and lord of lords cares if you called him a shepherd or a ducks herdsman? No. He wants his people. He wants his people following him and knowing that he is with them in the valley of the shadow of death so that they can do anything with him at their side. That's what he wants. So friends, what I'm getting at is this. Kingdom versatility and kingdom ethic. What can we lay down for the sake of others? Is that not what Jesus does? Like, is this not Paul following Jesus saying, follow me as I follow Jesus? I will lay it all down. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of other people coming to this table and feasting on Jesus. Culture? Are you kidding? So Paul is over here with the Jews. He knows they grew up in the temple. He knows they do the ceremonial stuff. He knows they do all that. And so he's not hating on that. He's talking about Jesus fulfilling it. But all that stuff's okay. It's beautiful. It foreshadows Jesus. It points forward to Jesus. But Jesus fulfilled it all. All that stuff's amazing. And those cultural practices are good. But Jesus is better. So he's not hating on them for their Jewish heritage. But then he's over here at the the barbecue eating ribs because Jesus declared all food clean. And he's not talking to these people, the Gentiles, about the Feast of Booths. They didn't grow up in a tent for a week. 
They didn't have that cultural practice. So he's not saying, why aren't y'all doing this? He's meeting them where they are. And so, friends, what can we lay down to meet people where they are? That's what Paul's up to. That's what he's sharing. Which points us finally to this. It's Paul's kingdom aim or his motivation. There's five alls in this passage. Paul says, I become all things to all people by all means necessary that I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. So Paul's, Paul's not really concerned about winning arguments. He's concerned about winning people to the gospel. So people might be like, hey, Paul, why are you doing all that stuff over there? Why are you doing that old stuff with them people over there? Why are you doing this new stuff with these people? And why on earth are you doing it, this weird con- combining? Like, what are you doing, Paul? And Paul's only answer is, so that they might know Jesus. Like, I'm doing all this so that people might know Jesus. Look, if you if you got like 50 years of your life and you never get called a liberal, it might be because you're not following Jesus close enough. Here's what I mean by that. Like, do we care about justice and the orphan and the widow and the poor? Like, they told Paul and Barnabas, y'all remember the poor? And they said, yeah, we're eager to do it. The apostles were saying, you got to remember the poor. Jesus shows up. Y'all, if to care about the widow and the orphan, to care about the poor, like, somebody's going to look at you and be like, you're liberal. I knew it. Or... Or for some of us, it might be like you've never been called a conservative because you're like, yeah, we care about righteousness and obedience. We care that like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Well, you're conservative. Like, but those, Jesus blows those stupid little categories out of the water because all these labels that we want to give to understand things, actually, it actually is shunning, it is shunning this, that we embrace the mystery of who God is and the world he's created and the mystery of other people. Like, don't label stuff. Walk into the mystery and trust Jesus. Walk by faith and not by sight. That's part of what that means, is that we would embrace the mystery of other people, being saints and sinners, made in God's image, beautiful and broken, right? There's no label that can handle all that other than this, child of God. So friends, some of us, we, we, need, we need to blow up these little categories. We need the kingdom of God, right? We could talk about America for a minute. We could talk, I mean, we could go on and on. I love America like I love my family. It's broken, though, right? We need the Lord of the nations, not just one. And so, like, whatever topic you want to talk about right now on the news, whatever topic it is, the kingdom of God has to blow that up and then remake it. So, friends, this is our kingdom aim and motivation. All right, let me land this real quick because we're going to come to the table. There's only one hill to die on, and Jesus already did it. It's really good news. There's one hill to die on, and Jesus already did it. So we can lay down our opinions. Friends, what is the law of Christ that Paul talks about? He's like, I acted like I was under the law over here. I'm not under the law. Really, I'm only under the law of Christ. Matt can unpack all this for you later. All right? I'm just going to ask him to do that. But what he's mainly talking about is these over 600 uh, Old Testament ritual laws. Okay? He's saying, like, Jesus fulfilled all that stuff, so I don't have to, like, go wash my hands and wear this garment. I don't have to do all that stuff. I'm under the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ, Paul? Well, look at Galatians 5. Your homework is look at Galatians 5. Look at Galatians 6. Look at Romans 13. Um, look at 1 John 4. Here's the law of Christ. Paul says in Galatians 5 that the whole law is summed up in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. In the very next chapter, he says, he says this. In Galatians 6, If you have your Bible, you can turn there. I want you to see this in print, or you can look on your um, phone. 
Look at this. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey or fulfill the law of Christ. Paul's own words, he's going to tell you that if you share or you lift or you care or you're concerned about the burdens of others, and you enter into that burden with them, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. In Romans 13, he puts it this way, owe nobody anything except love. So friends, what is Paul getting at? The law of Christ demands that you and I meet people where they are. Here, here it is, Romans 15, 7, my favorite Bible verse. Welcome or receive one another as Christ Jesus welcomed and received. What culture, what gap did Jesus not cross to come get you, to receive you? Think about it. Jesus crossed every gap to come get you. And so the Bible says, Paul says it this way, that we're to welcome and receive one another just like Jesus welcomed and received us. And then he tags this Presbyterian line on it, for the glory of God. So when you think about the glory of God, don't just think about one hour of church service. When you think about the glory of God, at least considering this passage, think about people made in his image coming to the party. Think about people being welcomed and received, image bearers of Jesus being welcomed and received for the glory of God. What would happen if that was our family mantra, our dinner table was about that. Our church family was about that, that we would welcome and receive people like Jesus welcomed and received us for the glory of God. Then we'd have time for anybody made in God's image, any background, especially those who don't look like us, right? And so what I'm, what I'm getting at is this. If you're not there this morning, here's, here's, here's part of the problem, and here's part of the problem with me. I forget how God has treated me and how God is treating me. I forget that God has welcomed me. And so I'm, I'm slow to welcome others very often. But if you know that Jesus has signed off on you literally in his own blood, and he doesn't feel like he got the raw end of the deal, but he loves you, he rejoices over you, you'll rejoice over other people. And you'll welcome them too. So friends, I, lo I love this rest. Rest in God's love. Remind each other of God's love. And then reflect it to others. That's the call. And friends, you can do that. It's scary, I get it but perfect love casts out fear. And so friends, I, I would actually encourage you, like it is actually more life-giving. There's a thousand deaths, but there's a thousand resurrections. Following Jesus, this downward mobility, following Jesus there, there's more life. There's more joy. There's more abundance there than you'll ever find anywhere else. So friends, let's follow Jesus together and let's cross whatever barriers are there because Jesus will literally, literally remove every barrier. Make it so, Lord. Lord, thank you for these friends this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the Apostle Paul followed you and told us to follow him as he follows you so that we, we actually can, by your grace, by your spirit, we actually can follow you. Lord, help us. Whatever season of life we're in, wherever you're calling us, would we, would we participate in your resurrected life even now so that others might be honored in a way that they would honor you, Jesus? They would be welcomed and received to the family. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.